Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, gang, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow, and I have an amazing race report for you from my last week's um, event in Halliburton. So if you haven't heard of the eight hours hurting in Halliburton, go check it out. So, uh, but before we get started, I'm going to give you a couple things to re- uh, a couple reminders, couple announcements that um, you know that we have only two podcasts, so it's super fun just doing one episode, uh, two episodes a week now, uh, less stressful, and I can bring uh, just bring more really cool people on. Next Mondays, you don't want to miss, is we're going to be talking to my friend Camille Lawson. She's a hormone specialist, so we're going to talk be talking about the aging athlete, females, and hormones. And um, guys, we're not going to forget about you. We're going to be booking her again to talk about men and hormones and um, the cyclists. So make sure that you are uh, following uh, one of our, one of the many platforms that the podcast's on, so you don't miss these episodes. They're going to be epic, just like this one. So, all right. Now, in, as I start, as I start talking about, like, the whole race report, and the race report is important that you, that we always talk about you know, the lead up to, because it's not just about the day, it's about everything that us as athletes do to get to that day, right? So I'm going to share with you, oh, I'm going to show you this amazing new Montu jersey that I picked up at Halliburton. Thank you. And a new pair of their bike cargo shorts with are so amazing. And I just have to shout out to them because I wore their black ones for the entire eight hours and they were so comfortable. I have, I cannot tell you how much I love their bike shorts anyways. So, so it's really important to understand what we do as athletes to get ready for, you know, doing a hundred and 62 kilometers in eight hours. Okay. Um, now, I'm also going to be mentioning, as I've done before, my winter road cycling online program, which played a huge factor in getting me to this event and getting me to the other events. And also, it might be something that would really help you get to your events. So, before you we get started 
If you want to know more information, text the word cycling to 819-809-0999 and you'll be you'll get some text messages with some information about the program. Now, you know, I know that a lot of us are going to be migrating online, but it's what you do online that makes your winter a positive training one, meaning you don't overdo it because you're getting wrapped up in everything else and everything else that everybody else is doing. Hold on. Um, that everybody else is doing online, that you lose focus on your own training. So our focus is going to be number one, skills development. And I've been doing, I've been teaching this program for since 2005. So I do it every year just to go back to, uh, I'm coaching it, right? So it's important to go back and just understand the and get better at these cycling skills because you use those skills and then you apply strength power and speed so as you get better being more advanced there's no more advanced cycling skills you just get stronger and faster at them so always going back to the winter months to go and get back into these types of skills that you're not necessarily focusing on in the summer because you're doing other things is so crucial. So that's what I love doing. I love going back to basics in the winter. And also we were incorporating. So we're doing it on Zoom as a Zoom program on Thursday nights. In addition, we have Saturday morning group rides and Tuesday night um, either intervals or races. So the thing is about aging athletes is that we need to have not always our long endurance rides and definitely not always intense workouts. We need our intense workouts and we need our endurance ride, but we can't, but doing more of one or the other is going to negatively impact us as an aging athlete. So if you want to learn more about that, Go search on my podcast for Joe Friel. We did a three-part series about the aging athlete based on his book, Age uh, Get uh, Fast After Over 50. Um, and it was amazing to learn from him. So that being said, if you want to learn more about my winter program, it's a mem it's a uh, it's a subscription. So it lasts for six months for the duration. So it's like, if you want to start October, I've got $50, 50% off for October. We start November, November, December, January, February, March, April, we round, we wrap everything up. So five to six months of focused inside training. And the nice thing about it is that it's scheduled. So you don't have to worry about where am I going to get my trainings in? And that's another thing. If you're busy, it's hard to start thinking on a weekly basis. How am I going to get everything in unless you have it like scheduled in and you just train these specific days and that's it and know that you are doing enough. All right. So let's get into the podcast and the race report from Hurton and Hal Burton. Um, definitely Hurton going on in there. Emotions, both positive and negative. 
uh, bike mechanic, mechanicals kind of, and a bike swap, which really helped me finish it up. Now, just a little recap from last year. So last year, this time I had just got a, um, I wanted to get into gravel. I didn't have a gravel bike and I had a friend who had some old steel Bianchi mountain bikes and he refurbished one to so that I could race this event and I loved it. Um, but it was also a really heavy bike. I didn't have pedals on there, um, cleats, and it was drop shifting, which was fine because I was in the drop drops the whole time. Um, however, it was my goal to come back and really try and see what I could do with a proper gravel bike, a little bit more training and focus. And I, so last year I did five laps, which with time to spare. And if I look back at those five laps, I definitely had extra time to spare um, based on what I did. <laughs> Cause I don't know if I was in there so focused. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And, uh, you know, I'm going to see how many I can do and, and things like that. So I was having more fun and it's always nice to have fun, but let's be real. Um, when we train for events, we're out there for focus and, um, we're out there to do our best, um, uh, for during the event. So that being said last year, um, uh, the Hurton and Halliburton was my first ever gravel event. It's not my first ever race. I've spent eight years road racing. And before that, I used to be an adventure racer. So I used a mountain bike a lot um, and for hours in adventure races. So um, I wasn't, you know, I this was kind of in my wheelhouse, right? Like I'm used to this kind of distance and length and grind. So, um, and I'm just falling into gravel like so many other people are. Um, so I took that and I went into my training for November, December, during the winter with my goal to really peak for this event. Um, so as I mentioned, I started into coaching my winter training program and I put on my schedule that I would train four to six hours a week. And that's it. Like I put it on my schedule, did uh, weekend rides, um, two nights a week, maybe a morning. Um, and I also, here's the important part, everybody lean in is that I was strength training three times a week and doing yoga two times. So strength training was 30 minutes, three times a week, total body. So I got everything, my core, my legs, my upper body, which is so important for reducing fatigue on the bike and um, building strength and quick recovery. So a lot of these things and yoga is just straight up for flexibility after you've done long rides and to make sure that, you know, you don't have the tight hamstrings and quads and back. So those are very important. It's not just about getting on your bike and turning the pedals. You need to have the whole package. So winter training and 
I was doing last summer, like 100K every month. That was one of my goals to go out and ride 100K every month, get that badge on Strava, um, that Grand Fondo badge. And um, so I kind of tapered it down and I didn't start doing my 100Ks um, until January. And then once I did 100K on the bike on Strava, um or on swift i was like okay this isn't that bad you know 100k four hours four and a half um i started i started with one a month then i started doing every two weeks i would sit for 100k and next year that is our goal is to get everybody to 100k online for the spring and then i decided because i was okay and i was feeling comfortable and strong at 100k i registered for barry roubaix so if you remember back in my other podcast if you've been listening uh, as a regular listener i did barry roubaix in march it i pretty sure i did a race report but it snowed the morning of um i had full gore-tex i was totally cool i did 100k in five hours fine that was i just wanted to finish because i had no idea how it was going to turn out and that was my first event right? I plan on going back and I plan on bringing more of you with me and it's going to be in April. So it should be better weather. (laughs) So that's another goal within our group. Maybe it's my own goal. It doesn't have to be your goal, but it would be awesome to have everybody trained and ready and to go and hit that event. Um, So that was my first one. And then I had a series of other races that I was going to attend um, that were longer distances. But then, like everybody else in the universe, I came down with COVID on Mother's Day. And that set me up for a weeks of fatigue and tiredness. And I know that this is from a lot of people who have had COVID. This is what we've all gone through is that fatigue. And so I ended up being not sick but i ended up missing an event that i was going to go to in i was really i was really keen and want to do the coast to coast in michigan i was geared up to do that i did an event two weeks prior uh 350k at um the uh ride to conquer cancer in toronto and then i was going to supposed to go there in two weeks so i like had enough time to recover but i was super super tired after that weekend and i just couldn't do it i had to cancel last minute i've never done that and i felt so bad because we had had a bunch of girls that we were all gonna ride together um and hang out but that was that hurt um so that kind of set me up for you know how am i gonna get this done kind of feeling and um, i went to reggie ramble and i wasn't able to complete the full 130k or two laps that I set out to do and I was like okay but that was a hard course and after everything I'd done I was just like okay I'm good with that um so then you know just doing a couple little gravel races and then leading up to this one which like race day a race week I was feeling good I did a, a 40k race last weekend or the weekend before the gravel cup um came second and 
so I felt really good and strong there. So I'm like, okay, this is, we'll just come here and we're going to see what we can do. So I was like, at least I'm going to finish with five laps because that's what I did before. And I was feeling good. So here we go. This is what you're waiting for. And this is why everybody should try this event. The fun thing about Hurton and Halliburton is that it's a lap course. So meaning you can go in teams and you can alternate doing this lap. So it's a 27K lap. We can all do 27K at least once, twice, maybe three times in eight hours. Hands down, you have fun. Um, and or you can do it as a team. Um, but that's the nice thing about it is that you don't have to do something what, like I did and going out and trying to do as many as you can. You can do as many as you want. And they have really great aid stations to stop at. It's a beautiful course. It is rolling from start to finish, and I'm not even kidding. So here are some of the things that can help you get into shape for this event. Since it's rolling, it's knowing how to manage your gears really quickly. So high gears, low gears, standing up, pumping over the top, um, settling in and doing your hill climb at a, at a low gear, um, upper body strength for the fast downhills on gravel, not gravel, but some of there's like heart, like bigger rocks. So it's, you know, feeling comfortable and strong in your upper body. So this guys, this comes back to strength. Do you feel strong, like physically muscular strong? Um, and do you have, have your, you know, are you keeping up with your muscles? Um, so, and also nutrition, you can't do this eight hour race without good nutrition. And that starts, you know, a couple of days before hydrating well, eating well, sleeping, getting your sleep in because the day, the night before nobody sleeps well. But the fortunate thing is that this event starts at 10 AM and you can sleep in, um, unless you're on a nutritional eating schedule, which I highly recommend. Um, that being that you consume about six to 800 calories before you even start your event. The, th the reason why, and that means you need to start about eight, like four hours before start time. So that's about 6 a.m. Starting with your first breakfast, then about 7.30, your second breakfast, and then about before nine, um, nine o'clock snacks so that you have accumulated all these energy calories and your body has been processing them, right? You don't want to eat all this before you get on the start line because your body needs to process it into energy so that you can, you have good energy starting. And then all you do is maintain, maintain while you're riding. Um, and that that's like, what does that look like? Like I had sweet potato, I had rice, I had uh, lentils, I did have bars. So I always brought a bar with me. I kind of, you know, ate one on the way back because it was like a flat um, and I could consume some food there before I came in 
So it eliminated some of the transition time. Um, so, and what's in your water bottle, all these things play a huge role. And for anyone who is going out to really um, do well in an event, this one or any other event, shorter or longer, you know, it's important that you have everything set up and that you're on ball and you're following um, like some sort of schedule for your eating. Um, don't, I never stopped in an aid station to eat except for one aid station four. they had progies. My God, were they good? Um, and they also had bacon. I didn't stop for the bacon. So you have to decide what do you think is going to go well in your stomach? And if you're not used to eating that stuff on race day, don't freaking do it. Um, okay. So the nice thing starts at 10, right? Roll up, get your coffee, get everything. I brought my family, which is not something that I normally do. Um, I travel alone predominantly or with a teammate uh, because family gets in the way and God, sometimes it's just not fun to have family around for me and them because I'm busy doing other stuff, right? And you can't interact with your kids, as you know, because you're focused on your stuff your bike, your gear, your, your, your routine for racing, um, whatever it is, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, so started, we had a whole gang of friends, which was even better. Last year was just two of us. This year we had four, five, six, like seven, eight women in our tent sharing, um, as a transition area. So it was super fun having more people around so you know the more the merrier um it's a great event to bring people to participate um and then we started so the first lap usually you're always like okay what's your strategy for eight hours don't go out hard because <laughs> you know if you're anything like me you like to go out and get at the front but there was so many more people at this year's event than last year's and they staggered us because of COVID last year so everybody started together this year um so there was like well over 300 people I'm saying I'm guessing um that started um so it was like a mass start and I was like oh so usually I position myself at the front but I was kind of like mid back which was fine. Um, next year, I'll be way closer to the front because that gives you an advantage of also being able to draft with faster people, which will carry you faster <laughs> to the end. Um, and uh, but anyways, so I started mid pack. And um, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna take it easy. I'm gonna pace myself this time. But I was like, Fuck, silly, you never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and um uh so my first lap was the fastest at 59 uh minutes and then I went into transition I ripped off a bunch of clothes I was so hot I took off my my jersey my underlayer and I just put like a jersey on top I was like oh, I'm so dying here um and then I left um so then into number two 
I was cruising with some uh, other cyclists. So there was another woman I was riding with. I'm like, uh, you know, like, there's my competition, you know. And um, and then, was it round two? Okay, we stuck together. And then round three, um, my chain dropped. And this is something I start asking questions to other gravel riders. And maybe you guys, if you're listening, um, if you have time to put in a comment in the YouTube channel or on Instagram, this would be really helpful. What do you prefer? Two rings in the front or one? So I have one. I've mountain biked with three. I freaking appreciate the second chain ring in the front. However, when you drop a chain, a single chain ring, obviously you have to stop. You have no options. Like you can't just flip it back on like what you're used to doing, like on your road bike. Um, so I had to stop and then I had to catch up and then it happened again. And I have a chain guard on this bike and I'm not going to talk backily about the brand because the brand is great. Um, and, but this chain guard just, I couldn't get it close enough to the kiss, like to the chain ring, to the, the teeth. And so it dropped a couple times on my lap three, and then on my lap four, it dropped a whole bunch of times. Like I'm like six times, like I could not go into my lowest gear, sorry, my hardest highest gear or because it was so bouncy it was like washboard a lot of the places because it was all gravel it's all cottage roads so up and down right up and down so you're you're mid cassette then you're down to your hardest gear to go down the hill on the flats to pump yourself up the next hill and it would just pop off and I just like oh my god I think it popped off like about six times and and I came into that. So that took a fair amount of little extra minutes to put it back on, get back rolling, get back into the momentum. And then I rolled in to the transition, like where we come around and we get timed. And there was a tent there that had that for the bike brand. So I rolled in, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, not so well, because my chain keeps popping off. Can you fix this or get this chain guard as closer as you can? Because before I was able to get really close to the chain and I didn't have any problems, but, um, and it's popped off in, in other races, like the, the one I had my accident, it popped off. And so tried to, to, to tighten it, but then he's like, Okay, listen, you can't use your bottom, your high, your four highest gears. You have to stay at this gear so it doesn't pop off. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my God. And I was having problems getting it to the hardest gear, which is the 45. So imagine I can't get onto the 45 to climb, which is not so, not a game changer, but I couldn't get down to the hardest gears at the bottom. So the fat, the, yeah, 
my highest gears at the bottom. So the, the highest three gears. And okay, and then, um, so I go out for lap four and I'm like, okay, okay, th these are my new rules for this bike. I'm like, <laughs> like I don't fucking, I'm like, I can't ride with rules. Can you ride with rules? Um, so, um, so then I, I, and I, I moved it down and my chain popped off. I'm like, okay, I guess this is where I'm riding. So that was my longest lap in an hour, 20 or 24 minutes. I rolled into transition. I go to my husband cause my kids were there and they had their mountain bikes. And I'm like, I am not fucking riding this bike. If I can help it for the last lap, if I make it back in time. So I was like, John, take those pedals off my daughter's bike, put them on my son's mountain bike because it's newer. And, um, and if I come in with this amount of time after this next lap, I'm going to grab that bike and I'm going to do the last lap on a mountain bike. Like, I don't care. Like I can't finish this on this bike. So I went out for lap five and, um, and I was able to ride it without dropping the chain. However, this is what my ride was like. So I would climb up the hill in not using the last 45. So on the, the gear that was before it, like, I don't know, maybe 36 and, and I would top and I'll go down and I can't pedal. Right. So I look down, I change my gears till I've like maybe on the fifth lowest gear or hardest gear. And I just have to ride it out until it clicks in. Right. Like if I start pedaling, I'm just going to spin like a, a mad person. And so I ride it out till it clicks in. <laughs> so I'm like, right. And then I can start pedaling at that gear. Right. Cause I don't have my hardest gear. So I can't come off a hill in my hardest gears or else the, the chain is going to pop off, like pop off going up, pop off, going down, pop off, going flat. I was like, Oh my God. So, but here's the thing. So big highs, big lows doing this. I'm like, fuck, man, this really sucks. But I'm like, okay, I can't think about how this sucks because it's going to ruin my event, right? I just have to ride this through. And so, so the thing is that I did two laps like that and it, and it allowed, it actually caused me to kind of recover a little bit because I wasn't able to work my hardest. Does that make sense? Like on the downhills and like really power it through. So when I came in, I had like, I had an hour 40 minutes to do one more lap. So my sixth lap. So I'd like, I had achieved what I wanted to do with six laps. So I roll in and my husband's like, I'm like, is the bike ready? And I, there were a bunch of my girlfriends were there who had finished and one of them's like take my bike i go but i don't have like is it the right size like i don't have the same pedals she's like here take my shoes i'm like oh my god your feet the same size so they're size eight so i slapped on her shoes i took her track bike gravel bike and we elevated the seat for me and then i went out and people was that not the best lap ever for feeling strong 
like, no, it's like, like being like, so she had two chain rings in the front, a crank set in the front. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing because I could flip to the big ring for the downhills and just like power it through and then power up the little bumps. And I could go into light, light gear for climbing. I felt like I was on the moon. Like I felt so strong going that last lap. And I like, I powered it through like you have no idea. And um, I was just feeling so good. Um, and I was like, you know, those last two laps really did help, <laughs> even though it was like so dumb. <laughs> I could have been way more tired for this lap, but I, those two laps probably would have been faster. But anyways, so I like hammered it. I had a time. The only thing I didn't have my Garmin with me, so I couldn't follow the time. So I didn't even know what time it was. All I had was my watch and I was timing myself. So there's this one turn, it's like halfway, the halfway marker, there's this big red sign and you take a left. So I had timed myself there the previous lap, my lap five. I'm like, okay, that, it took me 35 minutes. So I'm like, if I'm slower than 35, then I've got no chance. But I was at 31 minutes coming through on my lap six. And I'm like, oh my God, this is good. This is good. I'm going to do this. And so, like I said, I didn't know what time it was like on the clock. I just knew that I was faster than I was before and that I was feeling good and I could do this. And so I, and that was a halfway point. There's another point. Um, when you get to stop four, five K left, but they're freaking long. I don't know what it is that is like straight up. And then there's another red sign and that's three K to the finish. So you got, I've got these little markers that, you know, towards the end, you don't want to see this at the front and I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I had my marker times and I just flew. I was looking for progies at stop four. I won't lie. I'm like, where's the progies are gone. I'm like, okay. Boo. Um, but, but it felt so good, like to just to be able to hammer in and see that clock with 20 minutes left. So, and my daughter was there to ride with me. I should have stopped and rode with, ride with her in, ride in with her. But, you know, I was just on the, the hammer fest mindset. But anyways, and I literally almost broke down and cried. Okay. I almost cried. Or maybe I did cry a little bit, but you know, it was just, it was the best feeling. Cause I had no idea what, what the time was. And, um, and yeah, it was good. I cried on my friend Wendy's shoulder cause she lent me her bike. And if it wasn't for her, then I probably wouldn't have been able to do this. Um, as fast as I did, if I'd gone out on my original bike, I would have been squeaking in like literally, um, and, you know, to have the family there, my, my husband there, cause we used to adventure race together. So he totally knows me and, um, and the whole organization of the like Mac 
and uh, Mark and Heather, who are the organizers of Hurton and Halliburton and the whole, the location. I mean, it was great. They had more of a, a, a village vibe this year. And, um, you know, and so I finished eighth overall out of 37 women. Um, quite a few of us pulled in six laps and the winner was at seven or maybe she did eight. Anyways, she's a beast. Paula, Paula Tool, or Julie Tool. Um, what a beast. I've got to get her on the podcast. Um, and then there was a guy, single speed, single speed, you know, like track bikes who did nine laps. I can't even imagine. So, um, yeah. And I was saying that, you know, God was on our side, the university was on our side because we had perfect weather. Like it rained Friday in the morning and it rained Sunday as we left, as we packed up. Um, and uh, we camped there and we had our team tent. Um, you know, it was great. We had uh, like great beers afterwards and just sort of hanging out. Um, so I highly, highly recommend um, this event. And so in conclusion, looking forward to going back there. So I know what I know. What do I know? I know that I had 20 minutes left. So 20 minutes is roughly half a lap. I know that I spent lots of time picking up and putting my chain back on my bike. So the hour is times. Lots of times, like about eight times. <laughs> eight times two minutes is 16 minutes. And then um, to be more conditioned. And to know, um, yeah, to have a bike that works. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, like, it's a newer brand. Um, and it, the price point was amazing. I just have, it's it's hard at this moment to um, be fully confident getting on that bike now that I experienced that. Um, if you can imagine, I'm sure you get me. So, so yeah. So Hurton and Halliburton, everybody. So my, my plan to move forward for training next year um, is I have a couple new events on the calendar. I've already put it, started putting my calendar together and I highly recommend that you should too. So it's to keep your focus and to avoid doing all these extra races that you probably don't need to do and that are gonna take away from the bigger races. So I'm gonna train all winter on my indoor winter cycling program, coaching, perfecting my pedal stroke efficiency, making it stronger, um, and uh, hill climbing. I'm getting really good at hill climbing because I coach it, so I teach it a lot, and uh, as part of my program as well, and speed, looking at that, like just strength is speed, endurance is speed, um, and then the 100Ks, the 100K, um, getting that started in January, don't need to do it now. Um, and going back to Barry Roubaix with an intention of going way faster in that 100K because 
they do age categories and I want to bring more people. So Barry Roubaix, then we go to um, Ride to Conquer Cancer. I'm going to talk more about that, putting together a kick-ass, the largest woman's team for that charity event. So if you're a woman and you're close by, like in the States or in Canada, um, message me and I'll send you the invitation to join our team. You can also train with us during the winter. Uh, so that's in June, then Untamed, which is either before or after that event, which is in the States. And I've been watching everybody doing that. So I want to put that on the calendar. <clears throat> and Leadville, that's a mountain bike race. So I got to find myself a mountain bike, a good newer mountain bike. And that is in Colorado. So I am currently going to be talking to a friend on proper training for that, which I know is all going to tie in together. It's all the same stuff, um, except the fact that I will need to get out on my mountain bike and do some serious kilometers come the spring. And then back for, if I put Reggie Ramble in there, I will. Um, and then back for Hurton and Halliburton to tie it all together. So, you know, that's kind of the plan. But last year I had a plan. Some of it fell, fell apart. Um, and also have my woman's gravel race. It's happening here in Chelsea or Wakefield, Quebec. So if you're local to that, a lot of cool things coming down the pipe. So just make sure that you are on my Instagram um, and following the podcast because I'll be definitely talking about all that stuff on the podcast. Um, and if you know some really cool people who you know are kick-ass in events, um, just great humans and love to ride bikes and have a story, then please send them my way as well. We also have... I have some free downloadables for you and you can go to our new website, which is buymeacoffee.com backslash secret saddle pod. Um, you can go and um, give up a donation for the podcast to keep it running and uh, take home some free downloadables that are cycling related snacks, all those fun stuff. So with that, you guys are amazing. Thank you for being, Oh, I want to shout out to a couple girls from Galdem who were at the start line. We were standing beside each other. I'm like, hey, I know you girls. I know you're um, because Cass from Galdem, Cass Powell, I interviewed her for Galdem in Toronto. And then Sarah, Sandra Fletcher uh, from uh, Saddle Sisters, I interviewed her. And those are the two, one of the two women that I'm collaborating to build this the largest women's cycling team for the ride to conquer cancer in toronto so yeah collaboration um next year is the year of collaboration i feel and uh so shouts out to you ladies they're like oh my god are you sylvia i'm like yes just they're listening to my podcast on the way down <laughs> people listen to my podcast <laughs> so sometimes it's just um you know i just do this and and uh, you know if if people come across or listen it's just really really cool and um that to hear that so with that have an amazing day everybody don't forget to check us out on buymeacoffee.com backslash secret saddle pod 
and um, just to make sure that you are um, register or you subscribe or put your notifications on or follow us on your um, specific podcast platform and so you don't miss all the episodes that are coming down this fall all right take care and i have to thank my husband for working upstairs while i'm doing this what it's only me doing a podcast but anyways you guys have an amazing day and i love you all and thank you for being such amazing supporters and listeners take care everybody bye hey friends thank you for enjoying this podcast episode i'd love to invite you to visit our new and exciting page on buymeacoffee.com backslash secret saddle pod to check out some cool downloadables and if you are so inclined to supporting the podcast with the purchase of a coffee would be greatly appreciated in helping keep the podcast going also Providing a separate rating and review on your favorite platform with any thoughts about the podcast are hugely helpful and appreciated. Thank you so much and have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.